It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. This is another episode of Frontline Friday with my very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you today? Andy, I'm doing really well. And you? I'm doing very well. A little tired. Just got off a plane not that long ago. But um, yeah, other than that, not too bad. And you're back in your West Coast office? I'm back in my West Coast office. And getting ready to go further west? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going further west in a week or so. Yeah. I've been there and back by the time this episode airs, probably. But yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Heading to uh, Maui. For a little uh, half marathon, as I recall. Yes. Yeah, family tradition with my sister. Um, we've been doing this for the last several years. Is We go to Maui. I, don't, I think I'm probably to blame for this. We go to Maui and uh, run a half marathon. Actually, it started with... with uh, time my sister was going through some really tough things in her personal life, and I thought she needed a a goal, you know, something outside of herself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I called her and said, "Look, I've always wanted to run this this uh, half marathon. Why don't we go do it together?" And so, yeah, she had never done you know a distance like that before, and and uh, I think it helped her. So now it's become a tradition. So we've been doing it. Year after year. That's fantastic. What a great tradition and how fun. A great thing to do with your sister. Yeah. So it's a nice sort of flat course. It's cool. They started at five in the morning. So it's completely dark because you want to get in before it gets too too warm. Too warm, right. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a fun experience. It's not a huge field, but it's it's a real community. You know, people a lot of talking, you know, because everybody's from somewhere else, right? So all you have to do is line up mm-hmm. when everybody's served a couple thousand people, I think, maybe run it, and you're lining up at the starting gate and starting area, and it's just, yeah, where are you from? Where are you from? And there's, you know, honeymooners, and, you know, people serve, been doing it year after year after year, sort of like we are, and, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun crowd. Well, Andy, you'll have to let all of us know how it goes. <laughs> If I'm still alive afterwards, it went well. I think you will be. I think you will be. I think it's a great, it's a great thing to do. Yeah, it's fun. It is a lot of fun. So, and you can't beat the location. Cannot beat the location. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, right. Nothing that sucks about that. You're no fool. Yeah. <laughs> Most <laughs> you of the didn't time. pick Detroit. I'm. I shouldn't. That, that may sound bad to anybody who's from Detroit, but. It, Hawaii just has a different pull. I live in Redwood City, so you know, you, I wouldn't pick to do one here either. So I'm not trying to pick on any particular city or state. I just think Maui's a good choice. Yeah, it's a good choice. And as I said, has the virtue of being flat. So, all right. Um, so I thought today what we'd talk about is, you know, are you, are we, do we get attached to prospects too easily or that will never close? And and I've written about this before. I call it the the sunk cost effect. And I don't know if you're familiar with this whole idea of you know the sunk cost, is that you know the 
like I think the economists call it the sunk cost dilemma is 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 you invest money in a project and you continue to invest money in it become pretty clear that maybe it's not going to go anywhere but you've invested so much money that rather than stop and maybe invest in something else going forward you think well if we just we're so far into it, if we just invest a little bit more it'll come to fruition but almost never does so your your decision making is is biased per the topic we talked about in our last episode based on the fact you've invested time, effort, money into this. And so you see this all the time in, in sales. You know, as, as you may have somebody that's working on a big, complex deal, the prospect's well-qualified, uh, you know, the sales reps invested substantial sales time to move it forward, and, you know, he thinks he has a good chance of winning the order, but his boss, she doesn't think that's the case. You know, she wants to know why why the company should continue to spend time and, and resources resources on this deal. And the rep say, oh, but it's, you know, we spent all this time and it still looks good. But nothing's happening. So you sort of reached a point where common sense would say, well, we should really stop investing time and money into this one. But then we fall into this trap, this sunk cost trap. And it's hard, Andy. I... I I just think about many, many, many situations where I will be talking to a sales rep who's been working on a deal. And just like you said, they've invested a lot. They are hopeful. They want to see it happen. It's not moving. It's hard to let go because what if, what if, well, maybe that, that you're telling me there's a chance type of hope. And really important skill in sales is knowing when to knowing when to walk away. Yeah, and so economists have studied this whole phenomenon of the sunk cost effect and or sunk cost dilemma. Say that it's almost impossible for the person who's who's the lead. It's almost impossible for them to make that decision. That this is really where management or an outsider, a coach, or somebody has to come in and look at it and say, "Yeah, Bridget, you know this this one's just not this is this is not worth it anymore." Yeah, I think it's. I I can see that. I mean, I would say that that definitely rings true in my experience. That the the rep is typically not ready to let go. They don't want to let go. I don't think they always count the cost, the sunk cost and the opportunity cost. They're spending time and energy chasing after this one account, which means that they're not spending time and energy going after a different account that actually could could yield a positive outcome. And in most cases, it's very difficult for them. They need, they, uh, again, it rings from experience that there's a lot of uh, encouragement uh, and sometimes even stronger than that required to get them to, to move off and away from a uh, prospect that's not going to close and they can't see it, but they're not objective anymore. And I think that's what happens, that you, you lose some objectivity. And well, one of the things... I, know, just I was really, going to inject that. I was going to say, you know, oftentimes frontline sales managers have the same the same issue. They share some of that same lack of objectivity. I mean, so it, oftentimes the 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 party that really needs to sort of step in and 
and help make that decision, you know, could even be higher up. I agree. I think that's true. I, I see that less often, um, but I do see it. I would say just in my experience, more often the frontline manager sees it too and will say, listen, uh, John still is not, this deal is not going to close. I'm going to give him, you know, we're going to, I'm going to allow him to do X, Y, Z, and then I'm going to make sure that he moves off of it. But there are also instances where, like you said, Andy, I see the, the frontline manager that has also, depending on how involved they are, and I think when they've been really involved in the deal, then it is more likely that they lose some objectivity as well, and it's hard for them to cut the cord. And one of the things that I, I work with sales managers and sales reps alike on is how how they can recognize the signs as well and how to insert um, it's, it's sort of some dating criteria into it so that it can help them to be more objective. So what do you and, recommend? Well, things like um, if they haven't been, if they've gone dark for X amount of time, I mean, it, there's a lot of different criteria. If you're not, if the decision maker hasn't been involved in the last two conversations, if there's a change in management and things have been stalled over X period of time. Some of them are a little bit deal specific, but I think generally they revolve around signals that a decision maker is not bought in, that uh, the prospect has gone dark, there's been a change in the organization or structure that um, there may be external circumstances that you see are at play that you think this company just got acquired. There's no way, no matter what they're saying, they're not going to go for it. Exactly. Just look at it. Exactly. Oh, I think, that, I think that's one. I, and you said going dark. I think going dark is a good one is, is that you know, if you're working on a deal with a really long sales cycle and you're in sync with the customer, there could be times they go... I wouldn't say dark, but you know they're not communicating they because go quiet. they go quiet because you know what the next step's going to be and when it's going to happen. That's different from when, yeah, you know, we're at a critical stage of the deal, but yeah, they've gone dark for four weeks. You know, I haven't been able to, <laughs> I haven't been able to hear from them, and yet you're still, you know, spending a bunch of time outreaching to other people in the organization, trying to move things along. Yeah, that 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 could be very problematic. Yeah, and oftentimes it's not a single signal, but it's a combination of signals that you see and say, hey, let's look at these things. And it's not, it's not moving along. Yeah. So, I mean, one, one rule of thumb I use as, as you know, sales leader is and sort of identifying these, these opportunities where we're falling into a sunk cost trap hmm. is like doing in a sales meeting or a deal review is the degree to which a sales rep becomes defensive in discussing it is sort of in inverse proportion to the likelihood of the deal ever happening. 
Yeah, that's a good, I, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good one. I, I think part of the, one of the big benefits also of deal reviews is hearing other reps experience. And we talked last time about, you know, the difference between pattern recognition and really a bias. And you don't want to have, again, a bias that it looks like this, so it's going to close or not. But hearing a lot of different experiences um, and how deals are moving along can help a rep identify, ah, I think there's trouble here. And I think that's, there's a lot to be learned from peers in observing how deals go or don't go and why the sharing of the team of what's happening is really, really important. Yeah, well, I think back to the point I just made about sort of being defensive. I think if you're individual contributor, sales professional, and you're in one of those deal reviews and you find yourself, you know, sort of getting a little flush in the face and, and mm. a little defensive, mm. yeah, stop yourself and think, okay, wow, what was that? Why, why am I reacting that way? Because basically what's happening is someone's sort of questioning, not not your integrity, but they're sort of, you know, managers are questioning your knowledge of this deal. And, yeah, good reps don't like that to happen. And, yeah, I've, I certainly recall cases where I've, I, I was defending opportunities that uh, definitely should not have been defended. <laughs> uh, you know, that, I, that really needed that, out, that outside perspective to say, yeah, yeah, Andy, that's, this one's not going to happen. No, it didn't happen very often, but it, it, I recall uncomfortable sales meetings and deal reviews where, yeah, I, I just couldn't, yeah, I didn't have the answer. Because there was no answer other than the fact that, yeah, it really was time to move on. You know, what I, what I tell reps is don't lose alone. And my point in that is get a lot of eyes on it. Have people look at it, get their input, be open. Don't, the more you be, the more you hang on to it and obscure what's going on, and I see that a lot too, and mm-hmm. it, it goes to your defensive nature and posture around a deal. And I've seen reps be so confident that, you know, I got it. It's, it's all going well. It's everything's fine. We're on track. And I know enough either about the account or the deal or deals of this size that there are some signals that make me question whether things are, are as on track. And I often will encourage to talk to the reps about it. Bring me in. Let me have a conversation. You don't want to lose alone. And it's, it's, there's no harm in getting more eyes on it. And that's always my point. There's no harm in it. There's no harm in it. And just to, what I'm trying to do is just to encourage the openness yeah, I mean, I I worked for a guy who, when he felt that coming from people, from the his reps that worked for him, his sales professionals, yeah, he'd pick up the phone and call the customer. And that was never fun. <laughs> Let me tell you, as 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 the the account manager, account exec, that yeah. was that was never good to have your VP pick up pick up the phone when you're doing a deal review. And you're sort of stuttering and stuck and trying to defend it. And, you know, have to pick up the phone and call your chief point of contact and say, hey, so this is what, uh, this is what Andy's telling me. Yeah, I think now 
Andy, so few people answer the phone if they don't know who the person is. Yeah, the, 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 reps, the reps are safe from the that. The reps, they're a little safer now. They're like, yeah, go ahead and call them. I haven't been able to get a yeah. hold of them the last eight times. Yeah, so. knock yourself out. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Go call them. See if you get a better outcome. Sometimes they, I mean, we. I've had that too. Where, uh, um, I, I have not gone over a rep and said, I'm going to call him, whether you like it or not. But I have... Uh, encouraged so strongly that we go into a room and we call together <laughs> and I'm on the phone. So maybe it's kind of the same thing. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Um, okay. See? Yeah. So yeah, I do that. That's sort of like bringing your mom to an interview. I know it's horrible, but <laughs> hopefully I can be a little bit helpful. Well, except in the cases where people bring their moms to the interview, they probably don't think it's as humiliating as sitting in the room with your boss on the, on the, uh, at least I always felt it was. Yeah, what's worse, your boss or your mom? Uh, yeah, you know. If- Let nobody answer that. I, I'm a both. I'm both. I'm both a boss and a mom, and so there's no way to win on the answer to this one. So it's best just not to answer. Yeah, but I mean, if early in my career, yeah, I certainly had a call or two like that with, yeah. Hey, John, this is Andy. Yeah, I've, I've got my boss <laughs> on the phone here, too. It's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, well, you try to position a little bit. Um, the way that that the reps have positioned it with me is there's an executive. You've got an executive champion here at XYZ Company. So Sumo Logic, for example, you've got a you've got a champion here who wants to understand just more about this. What can she do to help? How can she be helpful? I want you to know that you've got a you know you can reach out to her at any time. So we try to position it not just Hey, she doesn't believe I'm doing my job. So here she is to uh, uh, grill you a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Although maybe that's safe. That's maybe, maybe we can say whatever we want, but it still comes across as, oh, okay, you've got your boss. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate that, that I never had the customer throw me under the bus in those situations. So, I mean, the, they were all good deals that were going to happen and did happen, but but uh, it certainly taught a lesson in terms of preparedness. Yeah, and I will say that I've never had um, a rep be thrown under the bus either. But in fact, the conversations have have been positive. Mm-hmm. I, 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 can't, I can't think of a one where it wasn't... I mean, I can think of them where they weren't positive, like the, the customer was the prospect was angry or upset about something, but it wasn't, it, it didn't have to do with the way the rep was handling a deal or that they didn't have good deal understanding or control. Yeah. So, I mean, just some concrete ideas for how to avoid sort of this sunk cost trap where you've reached sort of a dead end with a deal and you're really having a hard time cutting loose. And this really, excuse me, comes from, um, Economists have written about this this phenomenon and and talk about how companies on a company basis, you know, how do they break free from this? So one of the first recommendations is, you know, take that decision out of the hands of the rep or the sales manager. That's a good one. Is you know, give the decision to someone who doesn't have a direct stake in the outcome. So you know, someone that could be this this trusted third party that doesn't have an agenda, you know, could be. You know, if you and your manager can't figure it out, then hey, you know, let's bring in the the uh, CFO and present the facts to him or her and, and see what they say. 
Yeah, that's good. Okay. So, or maybe sometimes it's a situation where where perhaps the CEO has to step in. I mean, sometimes, um, you know, that might be the appropriate person. It could be that you have, you know, just well-intentioned disagreements, even at a VP level about, you know, specific strategic opportunities, let's say you're working on as a company and, and you know, there's some uncertainty about us. Hey, is this continuing to be worth our time? Sometimes maybe you have to elevate it all the way to the top. You know, I, I remember, uh, situation at a company where it was a small company I was working with and we had interest from a fortune 100 company and we were really in of course we were like all just uh, beside ourselves with excitement that we could potentially sell a very large deal to this very large company um, even though we were we were small and I remember the board didn't tell us what to do. It was at one, and I was at the board meeting, and we mm-hmm. were talking about it. We were talking about what it was going to take on the part of you know, uh, sales and mar- marketing, engineering, and product and finance and blah blah blah. And the board had said, you know, you that is going to suck so much from the org, and you're not going to get enough back. And they didn't tell us what to do, but they made a strong recommendation to walk away from that deal. And all of us on the executive team, we were so excited about that deal. We thought this, we thought they were just going to be like celebrating and they provided another perspective. It was actually really, really helpful. And, um, you know, we, in our own stubborn way, went along a little further, but eventually we did, we did walk away from it. Um, but it was, they planted that initial seed of, there's another way to look at this that you might want to consider uh, that was really helpful. Yeah, and that sort of comes to the third idea to to sort of make decisions is to, and this is maybe you bringing people even more objective than your board, but yeah, bring in someone who's outside the company, an executive coach like like me, for instance, or a consultant or somebody with experience who can help you analyze the situation. And you know, look at the pros and cons, and and help you reach a, a dispassionate decision about what to do. Yeah, super helpful. And and it's just it just it takes the the willingness um, to, to ask the question and open it up and and really look and say, should I keep working on this one or not? And that's hard. That's hard for any sales rep to do. Let's not underestimate. But that's a big. You've invested a lot, and that's that's hard. It's important to do it, but it is hard. Yeah, and sometimes the decision will be to keep working it. I mean, I, I had one situation with one startup. Definitely. One startup has that. We were working on a deal that was absolutely essential in some respects to sort of the next step growth the company wanted to take, but it was exhausting the organization, mm-hmm. literally, to get it to that point. And, you know, it was the CEO and the founder of the company that said, gosh darn it, we're not giving up on this, right? I mean, he, he, he had a better, being perhaps being objective, maybe had a better vision of the value and the benefit that was going to bring to the company by continuing to invest the resources. And he was confident enough from his perspective, objectively, because he wasn't as directly in the deal flow, um, to see that, yeah, we could pull it off. 
but I mean, that was one occasion where <laughs> basically the team was ready to say, yeah, yeah, this isn't going to happen. We've reached the point of no return. But, you know, the CEO sort of said, yeah, all the way, keep working it because it is going to happen. Yeah, and that's a good point. Sometimes it'll go the other way, that we may give up too quickly and we need somebody to say, no, 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 this is this is worth hanging in there for. Maybe take a little longer, whatever, but it's worth hanging in there for. Yeah, and maybe it is worth a little bit more investment because they can see something that perhaps, again, forest for the tree syndrome that, that we all couldn't see. That's right. Okay. Well, cool. Well, so we sort of, we've gone through that. Um, avoid the sunk cost trap if you can thinking that you can win every deal just because they become a prospect. And, you know, if you're stuck in a deal, as you talked about, is, is ask for help. Don't lose a deal alone. And that, that's, boy, that, to me, that's a cardinal sin. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't ask for help yep. on deals that are important to the company, important to you as an individual, is, you know, can never be too proud to, yeah. to ask for help. I mean, this is, this is uh, I know in some companies there's this ethos that, hey, I'm in this position, I should be able to do it. You know, I shouldn't need any external help. Yeah, I think, I think we're starting to develop, you know, corporate cultures around the country and so on where it's like, it's okay to, to have, bring in a resource to help you, whether it's from, you know, another department of the company or from outside the company to give you that extra perspective because you have invested money in it. Give yourself the best opportunity to win. Yeah. And I would, I would say on this point of don't lose alone. I, God, I, I think I, I came out of the womb. I can do it myself. Like I am so fiercely independent and that's, that's one for me that I've had to really work uh, for all of my, all of my life, all of my career is to just continually bring other people in and make that a habit and be open to that because I just, I'm, I tend to be pretty independent. So it's, I, I recognize that one can be hard for people. Well, I think it's also hard when you know, you've got a certain set of experiences and so on and you think, given your, your sort of intimate involvement with the account, you think, well, who could, who could know more about it than I do? Precisely. Right. So it's 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 not, and at, at that point, it's not a question about knowledge of the account. It's it's having the objectivity to ask the right questions. To you know, just like you wouldn't discover with a prospect, to get the right answers back. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So okay. So well, Miss Independent, thanks for joining me as always on the Frontline Friday as we tackle another topic um and i think you were talking about my travel i think you've got some travel coming up as well some exciting travel definitely i've got some travel okay you've got some travel it's going to be a fun couple of months yeah during the fall fall is a good time to get out now the crowds i was at the airport this morning it's first time i'd traveled after labor day and Mm. yeah there was Certainly fewer people, not, it was still incredibly busy at JFK Airport, a lot of people, but the vibe is completely different once you get past Labor Day. Hmm. People, aren't well, quite, people aren't quite as frantic. Okay, good to know. Fewer kids. Most of them are in school. So, different, different uh, people traveling for different reasons. But anyway, 
Yeah. So anyway, have great travels, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. And and to our friends who are listening, as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And if you have any questions about sales, any topic, sales, sales management techniques, tactics, strategies, anything that Bridget or I could help you with, uh, send me an email, andy at zerotimeselling.com, and we'll get it on the air and we'll talk about it. But in the meantime, Bridget, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great, Andy. Have a great one. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.